Podcast friends, my name is David Lee and you are listening to the Inspire Design Create podcast, giving freelance filmmakers a voice, sharing their stories and connecting the world of cinematography, commercial filmmaking and starting your own business together. Let's go. Oh, am I recording? Uh, okay, yes I am. Uh, podcast friends, what's going on? We are back brand and new week. Uh, that being said, we have two more weeks left of the year of 2021 and what better way to usher in that new year ending of this year i mean uh then we're talking about gear right specifically the red komodo now the komodo has been out for quite some time now um and i wanted to provide this episode for anyone who was looking at getting a camera um in that kind of well, $6,000 range for just the body, right? But plus all the accessories and things like that. Um, you know, do you go with like an FX6 or do you go with an Ursa Mini, uh, G2, uh, you know, something along those lines, right? Do you end up getting like maybe like a used red or something like that uh, for a 10 grand or, or 15 grand? And uh, so I want to give you my experiences with um, my red Komodo and maybe talk about a little bit of the the, the package that I that I have with it, the accessories, things like that, things like that. And really the reason why I bought uh, the F or not the FX, <laughs> the FX6, I didn't buy the FX6, uh, why I bought the Red Komodo. So I've been using the FX9 uh, this year for pretty much every shoot. And uh, obviously the FX9 is a pretty large uh, camera, right? Uh, large in, in, in regards to if you're trying to put it on like a car mount, on a gimbal, uh, if you need like an overhead rig, uh, things like that, right? Uh, it, it's not the easiest of cameras to, to set up in those sorts of configurations. Whereas a camera like an FX6 would be perfect. A camera like the Red Komodo, that, that package size um, would be very appropriate and just a lot easier, uh, more easy, more efficient to put on those types of rigs those and set up in those types of configurations, right? Uh, so you would think since I already own a FX9, why wouldn't I just buy an FX6? I could use the same lenses. I can use the same, um, not the same media. Media is different, uh, but it's the same menu system. The color science is relatively the same. Uh, you know, it has internal NDs, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? SDI and all that kind of stuff. Uh, time code. And so why wouldn't I just buy an FX6, right? Uh, well, my, my thinking was, well, I've been getting a lot of FX9 uh, rental requests, right? So um, previously, with no other camera besides my FS7, if I rent out my FX9, that doesn't leave me with a camera, okay? Not a huge deal. If I get an FX6, that could be my A camera, but many times, uh, at least from what I've been seeing from from uh, from job posts and from production companies reaching out to me, uh, the FX the nine the FX9 would basically be what I would need as far as a replacement, right? So if I write down an FX9, it'd be like, ah, well, I would kind of need another FX9, but I don't really want to own another FX9, right? So I was like, hmm, okay. What else uh, is there, right? And what and how else can I uh, diversify my income, uh, my income stream, and also get into um, uh, different types of productions, right? Uh, with the FX9, I've been shooting a lot. I would say the bulk of this year has been still really like branded documentary and like corporate type shoots, right? Uh, mixed in with some commercial uh, type of uh, productions, but most of it has been like, you know, branded documentary corporate stuff, right? Um, I wanted to branch out more, 
kind of into into more into like commercial stuff and maybe even like some some fashion music video kind of stuff, right? Not to say the FX9 can't do that, it can, but in Los Angeles, most of those types of shoots are you're shooting either Alexa or you're shooting Red, right? For the most part. And so that's, okay, well, you know, if that's the case, um, I don't want to spend like 50 grand on a Gemini package. That doesn't make sense for me right now. Um, a red Scarlet W package, like a, like a used one, uh, it's still used and, and Scarlet W is the same size, you know, once you build it out as like an FX9, right? More or less, more or less. Uh, and so I was like, well, you know what? Let's look at the Komodo, right? The Komodo is like $6,000, just, just the body itself. Once you build it out, um, with accessories, with media and stuff like that, you're probably looking around like 10 grand, right? Okay. Um, not a huge deal. And so I figured let's, let's, let's go for it, right? Let's go for it because with the Komodo, it'll be way easier to put on a gimbal, to put on a car rig, to put on an overhead, uh, setup, right? Super, super easy, just like the FX6. Um, but it'll be a situation where say, if I do rent out my FX9 on jobs, um, I can still use my red Komodo as an A camera. Uh, for those specific types of shoots, like commercials, uh, music video, fashion, things like that. And and still not be too cumbersome where, you know, with my FX9, like the, I have a huge Nanook case for it. And I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot that you have to build and carry around. Whereas with the Komodo, it's a lot more compact, right? A lot more modular um, is, is, is the word, is the term. And so, you know, what exactly do I have with the, with the red Komodo? Uh, I have the, the Tilta gold mount back on it, uh, which is pretty good. It has one D tap and two, uh, I think it's four, two pin limos or four pin limos or seven pin limos, something like that. Uh, so there is, there is a lot of uh, power options for it. I have just a small rig, um, a small rig base plate with like 15 millimeter, uh, openings for rods, nothing fancy. And then I have a, a small rig, a touch and go, like quick release plate for it. Uh, again, nothing, nothing fancy on it, just enough to get me going. Uh, I have the outrigger handle, which I find very, uh, very useful, especially with the Komodo. Uh, not only can you record really easily from the handle, uh, but it just adds another uh, point of uh, point of contact for stabilization and for, and for holding the camera. Uh, I have a needle rail on the top from small rig. And then with that, I attach a small rig needle handle that I've had it for like three years. It's all scratched up and beat up and stuff like that. Um, and then monitor wise, I just use the Atomos, the Ninja, the Ninja V, uh, pretty handy, uh, and good enough, you know, brightness wise and, and configuration wise. Uh, I don't like how you can only have like five, five customizable LUTs on the thing at a time. So that's, that's kind of, eh, it's not, not a make or break, but I wish that was different. Um, and then I have the SDI module for that, just because the, the recommend only has um, SDI on it, right? And, you know, so, so far, I, I got the Komodo pretty late. I got it in, like, I think end of October or something like that, I think, right? So I haven't had it long. Uh, I've used it on one music, one music video shoot. I've been using it on a... Um, on a long form documentary that I will, that I have been shooting that I will continue to be shooting into probably middle of next year, like May, May, June next year. So I'm using it on that. And uh, so far I've been very pleased with the, the image quality, been pleased with the uh, low light capabilities um, on the music video that I had it on. We were shooting pretty, uh, pretty dark scenes, sort of like a, like a club kind of vibe. And I was at ISO like 1600. Um, I've tested ISO 2000, still very good, right? I mean, there is um, noise, but it's it's more like filmic noise and it's digital noise. So very pleased, you know, ISO 1600, 2000, very, very good. 
Whereas, you know, on the older Dragon Sensor, you know, like, man, like 1600 was really pushing it, you know, really pushing it. Even on the Scarlet W, it was 1600, 2000, it was like, um, not to say that it wasn't usable, but you definitely needed like noise reduction on, on that sucker. Uh, so a lot of very, very pleased with uh, the 6K sensor size. Uh, very good. You know, I pretty much use, uh, I can use my Sigma Cine lenses uh, up until like the 24 millimeter is probably the, the widest. You can probably use like, the 20 millimeter, but you do start to see some vignetting on it. Uh, with the 18 to 35, the 5K has pretty much been like my sweet spot for it. Uh, because with the 18, at 18 millimeters on the 6K, uh, sensor mode you do see a little vignetting you know it's it's not that bad um but 5k definitely takes care of that um what else the frame rates again you know i didn't buy the camera for the frame rates because the frame rates are, are not anything impressive you know like you have to go down to 4k in order to get 60 frames per second um, but that 4k is very cropped very heavily cropped uh and the the noise performance isn't all that great when you go when you get into 4k it's still usable uh, but not something i i use unless i really need to you know uh, i have shot the 2k 120 and that is terrible right even when the past even on the previous reds like when you once you get down to like those those resolutions it's it's just trash you know um what else uh the mount option the rf mount option is pretty cool um i do like that because now you can use uh, all sorts of uh, lenses with different adapters uh and that's sort of the draw to uh sony e-mount right as you can use like m42 lenses with an adapter you can use olympus old olympus m zuko lenses you can use like you know mamiya lenses you can use uh, Canon EF lenses, you can use PL mount lenses, all kinds of stuff, right? So that, that's the appeal with the RF mount. Uh, the autofocus I have tested, it, it's it's okay if someone's just sitting like on a chair and they're not moving very much at all, then the autofocus is, is pretty reliable, I would say. Um, I haven't used RF lenses, native RF lenses though. So my experience with the you know, autofocus is using the uh, Sigma art lenses with the MC 11 adapter. Uh, so EF to RF, right. Um, and that's been my experience with it. So again, I haven't tested RF lenses. Maybe it, it's better. Um, right. Is, is still popping out firmware updates for the, for the red Komodo. So we'll see in the future, in the next year, if, if, um, if it gets better, you know, and I think, I think it will get better. Um, what else about it? Um, Media is pretty expensive. You know, I use a CFast card. It's like a 512 CFast card is like five, 500 bucks and some change, you know? So, you know, a terabyte uh, total if you're going with two 512s is like a grand, you know? So, so media is not cheap. It is cheaper than if, than if you're using a red mini mags, way cheaper than red, than red mini mags. Um, I'm mostly been shooting in Redco raw. I haven't, I haven't tried the pro, the pro res yet because the pro res, the, the highest resolution you can go into in pro res is 4k. So that's sort of a deal breaker for me. Um, but the, yeah, the Redco raw is, I mean, Redco raw is always great. It ha, it's always been great. It's, it's been always been very efficient, um, codec and you still get the options for raw if you need that, uh, in post-production. Uh, what else? Yeah. I mean, really a, a camera at the end of the day should fulfill your business need, right? You shouldn't be getting a camera just because you want to get a camera or because, oh man, like, you know, this, this movie was shot on this camera. That has to be like the worst decision, right? Like, oh man, like, you know, um, 
oh, this movie was shot on Alexa Mini LF, so I need to get MLF, right? And well, unless you're shooting like $100 million projects all the time, no, you shouldn't be getting an Alexa Mini LF or whatever camera, right? Um, get the camera that's going to fulfill your business need first. And then also if it fills like other, other needs, like, you know, your personal projects, your, you want to shoot your own documentaries, you want to shoot your own short films, um, you want to shoot your own spec work. And you know the sensor can uh, the sensor can handle it as far as the dynamic range and you like the image quality, right? Then that's the camera you should be buying. And so again, the red Komodo for me was a business decision, right? We'll see next year in 2022. Um, the goal is is again to still use my FX9 on multiple jobs to use a red Komodo on multiple jobs. So we'll see. You know, we'll see if I had bought the right camera or not. Um, image quality wise, again, like stacking up to the FX9. I, I, I would say they're pretty even, you know, like the only difference is I would say the two main differences is with the FX, uh, or I'm sorry, with the Red Komodo, the image, it definitely is, it lends itself to be a little bit more organic, uh, than the, than the FX sign. The sensor is so fucking sharp in that camera, um, that you end up needing, like if you're going to use like sharp lenses, like I have the Sigma Cines are so sharp. You, you pair that with a super sharp lens uh, sensor like the FX9, you almost always need to have some kind of like filtration on, on the fucking thing, you know, uh, or use different lenses that aren't so sharp. But again, that kind of depends on the project, right? Um, I do like the look because a lot of times for commercial stuff and like corporate and documentary stuff, it's nice to start with a sharp image. And then if you need to tweak stuff, then you can add filtration or you can change up how you light, um, things like that. And go back to the Komodo though, uh, yeah, I would say it's a more, it's a bit more of an organic uh, feel uh, out of out of the box, so to speak, compared to the FX9, and the um, the highlight information. I would say it, it's really easy to blow out your highlights on on the Red Komodo, uh, whereas with the FX9, I always feel like there is at least a stop. Uh, if I, if I turn on false color on my small HD, something looks like it's about to blow out, but I, I bring it in post. And I'm like, Jesus, I have like another full stop in the highlights left. You know, uh, I would say the shadow performance is better on the, uh, Komodo than it, than on the FX nine. Um, so, you know, what, what I've seen so far with the red Komodo, it's, it's protector, protect the highlights more because you can, you can bring back the shadows pretty easily and still have it not look like lifted and not have a look um, and not have noisy shadows, if that makes any sense, right? Whereas with the FX9, I'm always trying to protect more more so for like the shadows and I am the highlights, right? So it's all, it's opposite, you know? And your mileage may vary, right? It kind of just depends on what you shoot. If you're doing running gun stuff, then, you know, you gotta, you gotta protect everything. And in that kind of situation, the Komodo's dynamic range is okay, but it's, it's not going to be like an Alexa or it's not going to be like a Gemini, you know, where you have way more latitude with the, um, like there definitely is not 16 and a half stops or whatever the fuck red says the Komodo has. It's definitely not 16 and a half stops. It's more like, I would say it's probably, on, it's basically on par with the FX9, right? So you're getting like 14 stops. It just depends on, on what you, on, on what you value more, right? With the FX9, you need, you need to protect more for the shadows. With the Komodo, you need to, pre- you need to protect more for the highlights, right? Uh, so very challenging, uh, regardless. Uh, let me see. Uh, I think that's that's it. I think total total price for my red kimono package, right? If you're just talking about like the Tilta gold mount, um, uh, what else do I have? Like the media. Um, I did buy the the Kipper tie uh, EF to RF 
locking mount adapter. That thing is a waste of fucking money. Don't buy that. Um, it is like 800, it's like 700 bucks US after you pay for, you know, the conversion. Uh, it is not worth it. Yes, it's nice to have a locking mount, but for 700 bucks, it's not fucking worth it. So take my word from it. It is nice, but it is not necessary. You know, you can easily get by with just a regular Canon RF, I'm sorry, EF to RF adapter. And if you're using heavy lenses, then just use rods and lens support, right? You're, you're gonna use it regardless, right? Uh, at least I do. So I, I would say go that route. Uh, you're, you're way better off than, than, you know, save that 700 bucks, buy some CFAST cards instead uh, with that money. Um, I th again, I think the Keeper Tire product is great, but it's just way overpriced. It's way overpriced. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, factoring that mount in, uh, media, I would say, I would, yeah, I would say my Red Komodo package, again, with, with like the batteries and the lenses, you're, you're looking at probably like $10,000, right? Uh, so $10,000, you know, do you buy like an Ursa Mini G2 or do you buy uh, an FX6? Again, it, it just depends on, on what you're business need is, right? I can't tell you what your business need is. Only you can. Um, so take some time, right? There's no rush in buying like an FX6 or, or a Komodo um, unless you are in a rush to buy one of those those cameras. Uh, then, you know, perhaps you you may want to watch some YouTube videos or um, by the time this episode airs, uh, I will have my FX9 review out, which I do talk about, you know, do you buy an FX9 or do you buy like a C300 Mark III or do you buy Red Komodo, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully that, that video will will help you out uh, in terms of figuring out which path you want to go when it comes to a new camera, right? And because who knows, like uh, by June of next year, Sony will probably have another fucking camera out, FX9 Mark II or FX6 Mark II or an FX, FX5 or whatever number they choose. Um, you know, Red just released their Red, Red V Raptor Right. So like you, you can never win. Right. You can, there's always going to be a new camera out every six months. Right. You can never win. You just got to buy the camera that makes sense for you. Number one, business purpose first. Right. Business purpose first. And then hopefully the um, the the residual of the camera, such as, you know, being able to also use a camera that can perform well for a short film, that can perform well for a music video, that can perform well for your corporate, your corporate bread and butter stuff. Right. Um, and also have, have, have good, uh, longevity with the camera. Right. So that is it for me. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, we still have one more after this episode airs. Hold on. What's today? Okay. Today's Sunday. Um, so yeah, so though, though technically there's only one more episode left, um, for the, for the year. Right. And I think we'll probably kind of just go more about the, um, the wins and losses for 2021 uh, and and hopefully that, that will give you guys more uh, more input, more feedback on on how uh, my life is going, how my work is going in, in, the, in the Los Angeles area and how that maybe translates to your work and to your profits, right? Uh, so as always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please rate it on iTunes podcast. I would appreciate it. Please follow the podcast, share it with your friends, your homies, your home mets, and I will catch you guys in the next podcast episode. Ciao.